welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Thank you for joining us for another episode of We Talk Health. Today, I'm joined by two of our GYN specialists and robotic experts. And today, we are going to specifically talk about robotic-assisted surgery and what that means for women's health. And so I would love to introduce Dr. Don Wilson and Dr. Jeff Ball. They are here with me today. And later on the podcast, I'm going to get them to tell us how many of these procedures they have done because the numbers are staggering. But the robotic... Surgeries started at Western Sea Healthcare in February of 2009. So we can truly call them experts because they have been doing these procedures for a long time and has been a big part of their practice. So today I would like to welcome Dr. Wilson and Dr. Ball to discuss robotic-assisted surgery. Well, thank you, Lori. We're pleased to be here and appreciate it, the opportunity to discuss a, an aspect of our gynecology practice here at uh, uh, West Tennessee Medical Group G1 Specialist Clinic that we have a real passion for. And that, that involves a minimally invasive surgery and specifically uh, robotic surgery and gynecology. The program at the hospital we started, or a part of starting, in February 2009, and it has uh, really taken off in, in our field and into other fields, including urology, general surgery, even cardiovascular surgery. And the impetus, I think, back in 2009 was nationwide, uh, a large portion of the uh, hysterectomies that were done in the United States were done through an open abdominal incision, and less so through little small incisions called laparoscopic surgery or vaginal surgery. And while uh, Dr. Wilson and I both did a fair amount of laparoscopic and vaginal surgery, as this technology uh, kind of came to the to the market, we began to see the benefits of it in terms uh, of what it might mean for our patients. And so we, we pursued evaluating it and, and began incorporating it into our practice. And uh, as we've done so, we've really seen some significant changes. The number of open cases that uh, that we do now is is less than one percent of our practice in, instead of in our in, clinic in our clinic yes and the uh, emphasis on incorporating minimally invasive surgery for patients in gynecology has really caused other providers in the community as well to assess their their practices and either to really work hard on their laparoscopic skills or even to embrace robotic surgery. Uh, but for us personally, we've really, uh, I think, pushed ourselves to become better at what we were doing. We, we felt like we had very good surgical technique before. Uh, the device uh, doesn't do the procedures that we that we offer, but it, it it's, it's a better tool for us. It's kind of like the difference I tell people. It's the difference between driving a, maybe just a basic car versus something like a, a Rolls-Royce. You might still get from point A to point B uh, in either one. But the manner in which you do it, and the and the, and the way the, the the person riding in the car feels when they're uh, a passenger, is a different experience. And so we've just seen a real benefit for our patients from a recovery standpoint. Their pain is less. Their their risk of of 
of complications such as infection or bleeding, readmission to the hospital, reoperation from a complication, all those sorts of things are markedly less. And when you take that kind of holistic picture, it really drives down the cost uh, for our patients. Most of our patients go home the same day as having their surgery, uh, whereas oftentimes in laparoscopic or vaginal surgery, they were at least spending one night and then going home the next day. Before you uh, get down too far down that, that road, Jeff, and, and getting a specific surgery, I want to be completely transparent. The robotic surgery started in 2009, and, and I, I've got to brag on Dr. Ball. He was instrumental in, in that coming to our hospital and actually putting our robotic uh, surgery program kind of on the map. In the early days, there were actual surgeons that would come to Jackson, and, and he would go to other places to teach them how to do robotic surgery. And the transparency I want to share with you is that I was one of the last surgeons at our hospital to come on board with a robotic surgery. And the reason was, was kind of prideful. My patients did great. I did great vaginal surgery. I did great laparoscopic surgery. I had great results, my patients did, with that. And to the point where they came to me and they said, listen, Don, you do as much surgery, if not more than anyone here. We need you to be, at least go look at this system. And so I did. I went to uh, Norman, Oklahoma. And the reason they sent me there is a surgeon there had been a real well-known what we call straight stick surgeon. In other words, we called it straight stick laparoscopy. That was the old way that we did laparoscopic surgery. And so they thought, well, he may be able to encourage me to, uh, to make this robotic change. It's not that I hadn't seen the great results that Jeff was getting. It's just that I thought in my practice at the time that I really didn't need that. And I remember going and spending the first day at the lab, in the robotic surgery lab, and going back to the hotel that night and calling my wife and saying, this is revolutionary, not only for me as a surgeon, but for my patients as well. And we'll talk about the specifics of that. But I didn't want to interrupt you, Jeff, but I wanted people to know that my partner here at Western CG One Specialist was on the forefront and continues to be on the forefront. And I'm just kind of second man here, so to speak, uh, although robotic of. surgery has become my primary tool that I use. And Jeff is right. It, it is a tool. The key to any good surgical result is good surgical technique, an experienced surgeon with a good team. And, and we need to talk about that too eventually is I feel our team in the robotic rooms at Jackson Madison County General Hospital are second to none. And, and you may want to talk about that. When we would go to other hospitals right. to, to teach doctors how to do this surgery, Jeff would come back to me and say, man, our team is, is, is great. So yeah. uh, excuse me for interrupting no, where no, you were. This, but this, but um, This is a team effort. This is what this right. is all about. Right. So, yeah, Don's really right. The folks, the, the nurses and the assistant surgery assistants that help us uh, have – kind of taken on the excitement of a new technology and implementing it into their job and, and taking pride in what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we truly try to work, uh, you know, you're, you, you really as a surgeon, you cannot be a good surgeon without good help. You just cannot be. Uh, you, you have to have people that help you, whether it's with visualization, whether it's with equipment, whether it's with retraction, whatever it may be. It, it, it's really important. And from the anesthesiologist, nurse anesthetist down to the surgery assistants and the, and the circulators, they all take pride in, in, in what they're doing in, in our particular rooms because it is a little different than just regular surgery. So not just any circulator or assistant gets to help us in the robotic surgery, they have to have some training in it uh, because it's unique. And it's a really tremendous tool that's allowed us to have a real positive impact on our patients. Uh, similar story to Don's, the uh, first place I went was just watching a gynecologic oncologist do a, a difficult procedure on a patient with cervical cancer using the robot. And I leaned over and I said, so, you know, when is this patient going to go home? And he goes, oh, probably about 3.30 this afternoon. And I was like, 
what? It just was a paradigm shift for me. I had really never thought of it in that light. And now we've done a lot to impact a lot of patients being able to go home with different procedures in a quicker time frame. But the device and the technology really plays an impactful role in helping patients recover quicker and stuff. And so I think for both of us, you know, we've been able to see, I know for me, it has really allowed me to do some more difficult cases right. that I just in the past could not offer to my patients a mentally invasive approach. And I really, like Don, took a lot of pride in my vaginal surgery work and in my laparoscopic uh, surgery. But there were just some cases that uh, I, I simply could not do. And the dexterity that you have with the robot, the uh, ergonomics of, of how it works for me sitting at the console and operating have made a huge impact on being able to really drive down the number of cases I have to do as an open procedure to, like I mentioned earlier, less than 1% in my hands. And so I'm really thrilled about that. And with the technique of, of learning hysterectomy and myomectomies and excision of endometriosis and difficult cases like that, we've been able to offer some treatment with pelvic organ prolapse that was not a technique that we offered vaginally or laparoscopically. We had vaginal surgeries we did for pelvic organ prolapse, and we'll talk about that on another podcast, but I was able to offer a robotic approach that has kind of become the gold standard for pelvic organ prolapse. And so this tool is really, really helpful. And so, um, you know, we have a, we've got a ton of experience now over the last 11 years uh, at the hospital in general and individually. Don, what you've done, how many cases would you say you've done? Oh, hundreds. To kind of put that in perspective, I was reading that kind of boggled my mind that the average OBGYN surgeon in this country performs 27 surgeries a year. That's according to uh, statistics. Between you and me, we'll do that in six weeks. And so not that volume correlates to quality, but we, we're pretty good at what we do. Actually, it does. Yeah. Uh, it does, and that's actually been proven in terms of high-volume surgeons tend to have better outcomes than for patients than ones who are low-volume surgeons, and that's not a knock against the providers not doing as many cases. It's just with repetitiveness, and particularly with a device, True. the tools we're using, repetition breeds comfort level and expertise, and in fact, one of the big bugaboos with with robotic surgery initially was the 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 cost. I mean, you have a device that costs you know one point five to two million dollars, and uh, you know how does that come into play in terms of cost to the either the health system or any particular cost to the patient per se? And what what studies have shown is is that when you take high volume laparoscopic surgeons, high volume vaginal surgeons, and high volume robotic surgeons, and you compare them in the cases that they do, the high volume robotic surgeons have better outcomes for their patients. Their uh, their cost of all groups. Of all those three groups. Their their cost is lower and their outcomes are the same or better. And so it really can help be a cost saver as well as what's even more important from our perspective, while that is very important cost, the outcomes for the patient is ultimately the most important thing, the things that we're most focused on. And so, you know, we have just uh, taken real pride in trying to utilize this device where appropriate. There are certain patients in which a robotic procedure is not what they need. I mean, some patients need a vaginal procedure for certain indications or or they need something else. And even rarely, a patient needs an open procedure, and that's the appropriate procedure for that patient to have. But for many patients, and in fact, I would say most patients, a minimally invasive approach to their surgery should be the default position of the provider that they're seeing. And, you know, I look at it as when I hear of patients who have an open procedure done, and I know the circumstances particularly, and I just think, you know, that's somebody's wife, that's somebody's mother, somebody's daughter who ended up with an open incision a couple days in the hospital, six to eight-week recovery, who really could have had a minimally invasive approach, a robotic procedure where they went home the same day, they recovered in two weeks, two and a half, at most three weeks 
were feeling better sooner, their recovery was better, less risk of all the things we mentioned earlier. And it just disappoints me, I guess, is the way I look at it, because I realize that did not have to be. Right. So I would say... In in our hands. And now, but still, the majority of hysterectomies in this country, like we started out saying, are still done abdominal. Yeah, that number has fallen, actually, because of the advent of robotics, which was interesting. But there are more, though, right? No, I I still think the number is transitioning to more minimally invasive. And the reason it Both is... Both laparoscopic and robotic. That's correct. But robotics has, has begun to take over laparoscopy because of the ergonomics and the... I mean, you know how you oh, and yeah. I were. Absolutely. When we would do laparoscopic surgery, we'd come home, sore shoulders, you know, you're looking at a two-dimensional screen instead of a three-dimensional screen, you're... You're, you're standing and your movements are exactly the opposite of what you're what you would normally do and so with robotics the movements are exactly in the flow of what you would normally do and you are also able to get into markedly smaller spaces and suture inside inside the pelvis for the people that are listening out there that may eventually have robotic surgery along those lines the instruments that we use in robotic surgery are tiny oh yeah we do a, we do a big work with a tiny instrument I mean, compared to a pair of scissors that we would use in an abdominal case, the robotic scissors are... They're the size of a dime. Yeah, compared to a exactly pair right. of scissors you hold in your hand. Exactly. And right. that alone allows our patients to recover quicker, fewer complications, right. less blood loss. Right. And one thing that's important to us is, and we follow closely, and Jeff's been a big part of the robotic steering committee, is infection rate. Right. And we're able at Jackson Mascon General Hospital with our robotic program to minimize infection rate That's as true. well as anybody. Absolutely. I mean, um, patients obviously usually get antibiotics prior to the procedure, you know, what we call prophylactic antibiotics. And that's helpful across the board on any procedure, particular hysterectomy procedure. Uh, but the device and the and the minimally invasive approach is a huge factor in, in driving down infection rates. And so, you know, patients do not need to be concerned about, oh, you know, I'm going to have a high risk of infection. It's actually the opposite. You have a markedly lower risk of infection through a minimally invasive approach, a robotic approach, than you would through an open procedure, no matter where you had it done. And we just are not seeing, again, our patients aren't in the hospital. Hours. Hours instead of uh, days. And so, I, I mean, you know, even during, you know, some of the worst aspects of COVID, after we were initially had to do uh, defer any elective surgery in the month of April because of just the need to ramp up PPEs and masks and all that other stuff, you know, we really have not seen any impact on our patients in a negative way, even during COVID no. with infection rates. And so it's been a real blessing that patients have still been able to get the care that they need. And just as an aside, I would really encourage patients, don't delay your medical care that you really need just because of fear of COVID. I think, you know, we will take precautions. We've got to deal with what we're dealing with in this pandemic. But, you know. Our hospital has taken the lead with the number of patients they've been seeing and taking care of. Absolutely. And and all those precautions there. One thing that I want to talk about as far as robotics at Jackson Massa County General Hospital is we're entering into our third generation robot. That's correct. When when all this started, we not that the original robots were bad; they were mm-hmm. amazing, and they have uh, served our community well. But we quickly, as as a, a department, decided that we were going to be on the forefront of uh, robotic surgery. And as a result, and I've got to give our healthcare system some real props for they've, well, they've invested they, they, in the investing in the program the way uh, the way that that really has benefited right. our patients in west tennessee right. and beyond we have patients coming from all over i mean right. from we say river to river state line to state line but that's yes. actually we're going beyond state line and and, and we're actually opening clinics outside of tennessee. Uh, outside yep. of tennessee now which is encouraging but right. we started uh with the original robot we and do. then we bumped that up to the si right 
model. And then now we're actually uh, converting all of our robots to, to the XI. X- it's kind of like iPhones. You know, they just get updated, and, and exactly. we, we want to stay well, and with that. Well, and that's really, you know, it's a partnership with the company that makes the robot, Intuitive Surgical, and they're a technology company, and so they're constantly right. innovating they and trying are. to make things better. And so, For uh, People may not realize, too, let me ask out there, what does a robot look like? I tell people it looks like half of a spider. It does. Now, what Dr. Ball is talking about is is this robot, it, it just rolls right up to the uh, operating right. table. And we're there while the robot is, we call it, being docked. Putting instruments inside it's the kind of like space shuttle coming into the uh, International Space Station. Right, right. And uh, we're putting instruments into the laparoscopic ports that we've already placed. The robot doesn't do that. And, and then this robot that looks like it's got multiple arms. They just kind of hover over the patient. Yeah. And hold these instruments. The newer model, the XI, is more uh, above the patient. Right. right. And yes. but there's a separate console where the surgeon sits. And so when I'm looking in this three-dimensional view, now the console well, it, it, it's a, what it's that like is. A, it's it's a separate place to sit. It's like a viewing station where you you, you sit down and you put your eyes in in a pair of what looks like binoculars. We're about 12 feet from the table, 10 yeah, feet yeah, ten yeah. feet I from mean, the operating we're, we're, table. And, and the other folks are still scrubbed in. But we're case. talking. And, yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's a, a dialogue. But basically you have two toggles with your fingers in them and some foot pedals like you're doing a piano. And so you, you move, when you move the toggles, the instruments inside the patient begin to move in exactly the, the location that you want them to go. And because they're so small, you're able to get in very tight spaces that you used to not be able to very effectively with your hands. Right. And also uh, I tell people, in a lot of ways, this, this 3D laparoscope that we use at the console, we're, so we're doing 3D vision, it's kind of like if you go outside tonight in this clear winter sky and you look at the moon, and you can see it pretty good. But if you land on the moon, it looks a lot different. And it's amazing. The robot, we literally can just take our eyes down it's ten to, times to, ten time magnification, and then you zoom so, down on top of that. Yeah, and so it, and so it, it, it's a, it's like we're landing on the ovary. You get an you get a view that you don't normally get. You certainly can't get from just with the regular eyes, and, and you, you know, also. The instruments can move uh, the dexterity five, of 540 degrees of rotation, which your hand can't even do. So it allows you to, to really, when Don talks about good surgical technique, it allows you to exercise good surgical technique uh, in doing the procedure. And so, you know, we're not doing a different procedure. We're just doing the procedure and it better. The, the robot allows you to do reproducible procedures again and again and again and because you're doing that you're getting the kind of outcomes that you want to get and the instruments help you with proper placement of clamps and proper placement of your scissors and i mean and again because you're you're right there visualizing stuff so up close i mean you can see fibers of, of things it's just amazing so we've, it's, it's, we've talked about the robot i think uh, and, and we briefly talked about our team and holly's not with us on this podcast but we need to give her a shout out, Holly Maroney, right. who is a big help to us in she the is. in the operating room, and she's, and she's an experienced um, surgical surgical one, nurse. And one of the first people we had to bring with us when we started this venture at West Tennessee GYN Specialist. I mean, Jeff and I talked about it. We got to have a good first assistant, and that's her role. She is a an RNFA. She's has gone with advanced certification right. to to become an uh, an R, registered nurse first assistant to us, and you know we can tout all the numbers of robots that we've done, but when you really look at the numbers, Holly's done more than both of us because she operates with us, right. with right. each of us, right. and um, and that's really important because the first assistant is the person that's at the table, at the side of the patient, 
that's exchanging instruments, moving, providing suction and some other things through a different port if needed. Giving us uh, visualization with counter-traction right. and all that. And so she actually, you know, the robot makes us better surgeons, but she does too. And I think for our patients and, and people out there that are considering robotic surgery, that's important to know. It is. And the thing is, is we, yeah, we're, we're a tight-knit group that have done this repetitively, repetitively. I mean, Don's done, at one time, over 500 cases. He's probably up to 750 or 800, I don't know, by now. And I've done, you know, 950, something like that. So, I mean, we have a lot of experience of doing robotic surgery over the years. And, um, you know, the thing patients can feel comfortable is, is this is not our first rodeo. We've seen a lot of different things over time, had to handle a lot of difficult cases. And, you know, we're always available to help each other if needed. Uh, but the good news is, is that, you know, that's a that's a rare need because Don's got 30 years of experience and I've got 28, you know. So in terms of having been in the pelvis a whole lot and uh, seen a whole lot of things, it doesn't make us perfect uh, by any means. And there certainly are other good surgeons in town but we're very proud of the work that we do and the care we've been able to give patients and we're grateful for the trust they, that they've entrusted in us over the years uh, and so we're more than happy to, to see folks and provide second opinions if they need it but or primary opinions of course on anything that they need but we really feel passionate about robotic surgery because we've just seen the benefit for our patients and sometimes there's more than one way to do a procedure I don't disagree with that at all but in our hands for the most part using the robot to help us accomplish the procedures that are appropriate to, to be done that way is what we used and we're we're very thrilled and glad that we, we've done so. One thing we didn't talk about, but we'll talk about it on another podcast, is when we're doing pelvic organ prolapse. Dr. Jeff Ball is at the forefront with the gold standard for a procedure that he does, and we'll talk about that later. We're blessed in this community to have him here to perform that for ladies. Uh, you want to talk just briefly about that procedure yeah, yeah, you do? Yeah, the procedure is called a robotic sacrocopopexy. It's a long term for basically for women who have pelvic organ prolapse. It allows restitution of somewhat normal anatomy uh, to where patients are, are, are comfortable and they can have a procedure that can, uh, they don't have to have a pessary in the vagina anymore or, or they don't have to deal with the prolapse that they've been experiencing uh, with a drop in the bladder or the, or the uterus or whatever. And uh, uh, it's just a, the, the procedure itself has been around since the mid-1960s. Formerly was through an open procedure and a lot of gynecologists don't get much training in this procedure or did not because of the location of operating up around the uh, sacrum area where there are some definitely some dangerous blood vessels that you have to be uh, mindful of. And so most gynecologists use a vaginal approach to pelvic organ prolapse, and in some patients that's, that's totally appropriate. Uh, there's just a trade-off when you use a vaginal approach versus an abdominal approach through a small incisions, and that is the long-term success rates are better through the abdominal approach, uh, the sacrocopopexy approach, rather than a vaginal approach. So uh, there are some slight risks uh, that are different as well, and, and it's you know it's a detailed, complicated procedure, but it one it's one that I've just seen excellent results in patients. So I, I'm grateful that after we became experienced in just routine hysterectomies and other things through the using the robotic device it allowed me to be able to then begin to push forward into this procedure and be able to offer that to patients so they don't have to go to Memphis or Nashville for it. So, But are you not the only surgeon between Memphis and Nashville that is performing this particular to, gold to, standard? To my knowledge, yes, but I, I don't know that with 100% I would, certainty. But well, I, I, I think, think so. And the numbers you've done are right up there, too. So. We'll talk about that later, sure. and I just got to fly his flag on that a minute. You're kind. Thank you, Don. Well, I think we can easily say that we've got two experts right here, and we are proud to have them as a part of West Tennessee Medical Group, and that's why we say that we are the care you trust right here at home. We have this expert care. So uh, if you are looking for a women's health provider in this area, then please call the clinic, West Tennessee Medical Group GYN Specialist, and the number is 731 
888-330-3344. We've been talking with Dr. Don Wilson and Dr. Jeff Ball. And again, we are thankful to have this type of, this level of expertise right here uh, within West Tennessee Healthcare. So thank you for joining this episode of We Talk Health.